Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? We spend 17.5 years of our life on a mobile phone. It's not the time that's the issue, it's what we're consuming that is the issue. What I'm saying is that that time can be better spent on things that are going to shift you and shift the world around you. Luke Cook, aka Cookie, is a purpose-driven entrepreneur and conversation expert, best known as the founder and host of Cuppa.tv, a conversation platform designed for businesses to enhance their people's well-being, work performance and sense of belonging. With a passion for storytelling and conversation, Luke found his calling when he launched Cuppa.tv during a time when people needed it most. Since then, he has interviewed over 400 experts and personalities, gaining first-hand experience of the transformational power of conversation to change lives and bring communities together. Luke specialises in facilitating courageous conversations around sensitive topics that most people would feel uncomfortable discussing. So we are in the absolute right place. Luke, it is fabulous to sit down with you today. Welcome to the other side of the mic. Oh, Michelle, I'm so glad to be here with you today. going to be fun. We're going to have lots of good chats. So let's kick in. If there is one thing you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? For me, it's meaningful connection in this tech-obsessed world that we live in right now. For me, the faster we move, the less true connection we're having, and that's uh, that's what I want to tackle today. Yeah, great topic. And interestingly, I haven't had anyone kind of talk about this stuff before, but it seems so bloody obvious now that you say it. So why is this an area that uh, you're so passionate about, Luke? Well, you know, like I, I, I work very much within the sort of mental health and wellbeing space and I'm very fortunate enough through the business that I have that we, we have regular conversations with such incredible experts. And whilst there's so much funding and everything like that going into the top end of funnel of mental health, I think we're losing the side around fundamentally why we're here in this earth and that is around building meaningful connections. And the more that technology impacts these areas of our lives, um, where we're, we're driven by dopamine hits and short form versions of life, we're sort of losing our conversational muscle. And like any muscle, we need to keep on strengthening it. And that's when my passion is and what I believe in. Yeah, great. I mean, it's so important and like conversations we have on this show, but also with the work that you do. So your business is Kappa TV. So can you explain a little bit about that so that people listening know where you're coming from and you do some fascinating work in this space, Luke. So give it, give us a rundown. Yeah, just a quick rundown. So Kappa TV started when COVID first hit. My other business stopped overnight and I was one of these founders that lost everything and there's many of them out there. But literally, I walked to my coffee shop um, where I bought my double shot latte in the morning. I walked back and I called my business partner. And I said, how do, I, how do we help ourselves mentally? Because uh, my mental health wasn't in a good spot. But I knew the mental health of others wasn't going to be in a good spot either. So we launched Cuppa.tv 
as an online live conversation-based platform that people could tune in to incredible experts and storytellers from all different walks of life. And yeah, fast forward three years now, we've interviewed over 400 different experts around the topic areas of well-being, work performance and belonging and tackling many of the eggshell conversations that we either have within ourselves, as in, you know, the difficult conversations we need to have within us, but also difficult conversations that we need to have in the community, like First Nations conversations, disability, gender equality, um, you name it, we cover it. Yeah, it's such interesting stuff. And I think that people are more aware, you know, around their influence, I guess, on the world and having these kind of conversations, but also the platforms like this, having podcasts that are so easily accessible that you can actually connect and get to people with really interesting and different thought, you know, leadership stuff, I guess. What is the most popular, like, I don't know if it goes by downloads or, you know, people watching those different programs, what's the most popular topics of conversations that you're seeing out of those kind of 400 that you've done so far? Yeah, the majority of them are the wellbeing components around, you know, self-help and mindsets and mental health and burnout in particular. But a really interesting area of growth within our business and what companies and individuals are really lapping up is around these DE and I, diversity, equity and inclusion conversations, and especially around First Nations, like we're heading into a very important year this year. Um, around the referendum and, you know, we're getting more and more uptake around wanting to understand and learn a little bit more. And Michelle, from my perspective, you know, I'm the first to admit in 39 years of my life prior to launching Kappa, I never sat down and heard the story of a First Nations person. I never sat down and heard the story of someone that was transgender. I never sat down and had a conversation and learned from someone that was a quadriplegic. I never took the time. And unfortunately, this is where my whole philosophy around this, uh, the concern around meaningful connection is that we're missing the biggest gap in our learning experience by not having conversations with people that are different from us. And that's where my true growth has happened, not that my business is performing well, but me as an individual, I've learned more about my unconscious biases. I've learned more about the societal issues that exist. I care more um, as an individual for my own health. I care more about the future for my family. Uh, I'm a better dad, a better father, a better leader, a better husband because of it. And I wish everyone could go on the journey that I've been on in that conversational journey. And guess what? You can. You just need to take the time. And why, why do you think that people don't? I mean, I've got my own view of that, but I think, you know, that discomfort. We talked a little bit off air before we came on around when I wrote books about uncomfortable topics and how people would contact me and say, oh, I, I want to support you and read your book, but I can't read a topic about death because it freaks me out or I, I don't want to know about this, you know, like all these uncomfortable conversations. And I'm like, wow, I'm just getting started, you know, and then the podcast <laughs> launched. Why is it you think people shy away from that stuff? Most people don't confront it until they're faced with it. And that's the biggest challenge we face as a society. Until you're faced with a certain challenge or issue, that's when you start to go on your own learning journey. And, and unless it impacts me personally, so that I battle with this all the time because I call this component the movable middle, right? We have such a massive movable middle that can change our society forever if we explore territories with curiosity and know that we don't need to know all the answers, what, sorry, what do you mean by movable middle? I've not heard that. What, what, explain that a bit so more. So if you look at the, you know, the... the like a bell curve <laughs> type thing, is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah, like a bell curve, right? You've got, you've got the people that are never going to be interested and then you've got the people that are very much interested because they're in the moment right now. And then you've got this movable middle there that are actually the influences of decision-making. 
So, you know, you look at an important topic area right now that we're facing the voice referendum, right? And I'm not here to say you should vote either way, but I am here to say the slogan of if you don't know, say no <laughs> is not the right slogan. If you don't know, educate yourself. Go on a learning journey and then discover it by taking the time to go on that journey. I, I look at it in two ways and, and I say – I say curiosity is the biggest thing that we should be focused on because if you look at curiosity, you've got nothing to be fearful of, right? Because you're going into things with a curious mindset, wanting to learn, right? So in any conversation, go in with it in curiosity. Ask for conversations. Don't worry about your fear because I've asked stupid questions before to our experts where, the, where I've been shot down by saying the wrong thing and that is okay. I'm learning because of it. So if we go into things with curiosity, then that is great. But what should we be curious about? I've got two things to share with everyone, and I've only been really thinking about this. But the first one is, is it exciting for future me is the first thing. Like, is it exciting for future me to worry about this next topic of conversation? If it is a yes, go curious. The second one is, is it important for future we? And future we is our society. If it is important, uh, sustainability, uh, the future of this country and the referendum, then go be curious about it. Explore it. Find time to go do it because people go, I'm too busy. I, I can't concentrate. What are you busy on? We spend 17.5 years of our life on a mobile phone. 17.5 years of our waking life on a mobile phone. That's a third of our life, a quarter of a third, whatever you want to put it, a quarter, quarter of our life on a mobile device. Now, it's not the time that's the issue, it's what we're consuming that is the issue. And that consumption is leading towards things like, you know, mental health, burnout, information overload, infobesity, whatever you want to call it. Now, what I'm saying is that that time can be better spent on things that are going to shift you and shift the world around you. And curiosity has to start there, is my opinion. Yeah, it's such a great thread, I guess, and, you know, really challenging people in that space. What are you suggesting, you know, if you have speakers on, like, what are the kind of things that, you know, you've heard about, like, putting your phone in, you know, a different room when you go to bed, like, you know, putting it to bed type scenario, um, trying to turn, you know, all your alerts off. Like, I mean, there's so many basic things, but I always think they're basic because I've been doing them for years. I turned off my email alerts literally probably 12 years ago because that ding used to drive me insane and I'm an easily distracted person so uh, I need to keep in the moment with stuff but I still go to events and to meetings where people's emails are dinging and I look at them like they're some kind of foreign person I'm like what is wrong with you what is the stuff that you try and encourage people if they've like little steps to start and also big kind of change things that people can integrate in their yeah, life. Yeah, everything in life is habit-driven. It's unfortunate that most of our habits now are consumed by instant gratification. We've got walking poker machines in our pockets, right? The music plays, the dings happen, and we're attracted to it. It's very hard to move away from that, but the things that you're talking about are great techniques, you know? Don't sleep with the phone in your room or move it away from your bed. Make sure that the first eight minutes are not uh, you don't look at your device because we look at our device first before we even interact with our partners. Um, so there's elements of, you know, wake ups and that that you need to protect. That's the first thing. And there's research and and reasons why that people can explore themselves in that. The, the things that I get most impacted by is those little breaks that we have throughout the day. It might be 
10 minutes after a meeting finishes, the first thing we do is check our phone. You know, it's how do we stop ourselves with the micro moments? The first thing we need to do is we need to own the situation, Michelle. How do we own the situation? It's quite easy. Go to your settings in your phone, look where you're where you're spending most of your time, have a look at the social media channels and how many hours a day that you're spending on that. And the average is roughly about four to five hours a day on social media as well. So, you know, yeah, it's- Decide if that's what you want to do. That is that really how you want to spend your life? You need to own the situation. So you need to be aware of your own consumption. That's the first thing. Anything that we do in life, we need to own it. Like no one else is going to own it. No one else is going to own your career progression. No one else is going to own it. It's your responsibility. So you need to own your, your shit pretty much. The second thing is, is that you need to set systems in place. So one thing that I did is I moved all my apps over to the second page of my home screen. So on my home screen, he's got a picture of, me saying look up right and look up is a moment that i go okay do i actually need to look down right now or do i look up i heard a really interesting saying the other day that your phone is like a dog lead right you think about it you're walking out in front of you and you've got your phone in front of you and it's dragging you along in life you're not dragging it and you just sort of create these little digital distractions in your life you know, there's so many things that these tech devices can do to limit this as well. They've got them all programmed. You don't have to have your emails dinging. You don't need to do that. And then you just segment your day as much as you can in your calendar, then have those those moments of times on your mobile. I'm not the best at it. You ask my wife, she probably says I still spend too much time on my mobile phone. So I'm not here preaching that I'm perfect. But what I am preaching is that, and the topic area of today is, I'm so focused on meaningful connections. It's not funny. I take the time to listen to others. I ask the questions of curiosity to understand more. What I'm saying is like pick up the phone next time someone rings and don't let it go through the voicemail. Have you, you've heard of love languages, Michelle? Yes, I have. Yeah. We've now got connection languages. So how do people want to be connected? I want to be connected through Facebook. I want to be connected through Instagram. I don't pick up my phone anymore. Leave a message or send me a text message. It's okay to have these connection languages as in how do I best connect? But far out, none of it is done with meaning because you can't get the same expression out than having a conversation like you and I are today. Yeah, it's interesting. It's um, I've had a good chat about this recently with a mate who has really good boundaries and, um, you know, she has that like literally on her phones, like don't bother leaving a message because I'm not going to ring you back, <laughs> you know, leave me, a, send me a text message or send me an email. You know, she's a busy lady. She's got a, runs a massive company. I get it. But I kind of really challenged her. I said, well, like you because I ring and I'm like, I want to ring to say g'day. Like, I just want to see how you're doing. And she's like, well, I'm too busy. I'm like, well, you're too busy to talk to one of your best mates for me to check in because, you know, I love Are You Okay Day, but it shouldn't be just one day a year. I'm like, I'm seeing shit online. I'm hearing things. I feel like you need to, you know, you and I need to have a conversation about your mental health at the moment. I'm not going to say that that way, but I'm just ringing to check in and see how you're going. And when you don't pick up the bloody phone, I can't do that. And she lives in a different state, so I can't see her. And, you know, it was funny how she kind of responded to that, you know, really quite defensively. And then it made me think about, like, as you say, these ad hoc conversations. I have the most beautiful connections sometimes with random strangers because, like you say, I'm curious and I'm open and I'm looking, I don't know, I'm just in a good mood one day and I meet someone on a bus or I meet someone, you know, in the coffee shop and I have a random little chat and it's beautiful. And that's a meaningful connection. It doesn't have to be my friends, family, best mates, whatever. It's about being open to that and also allowing the time 
to connect with other humans, right? That's why we're here on this earth. We're tribal people. We need to connect. It's why people are saying that, oh, we've got these mental health challenges. Let's do more mindfulness. Let's do all that type of stuff. Have we ever thought that the actual solution has been under our feet for 60,000 years with our First Nations people that sit around in circles and connect and have communication circles and learn from each other and work together? Like the interesting play here is that we just need to do it because as a society, we're going down a very interesting route here and I can't see it ever coming back, by the way. I, I just see technology, AI, like everything is just taking and growing and rapidly changing so quickly. But us as individuals can take control of our own thing, right? So we can't stop what's coming, but we can, like what your friend is doing, she's setting boundaries. Now, agree with you. I don't think that those boundaries will help her in the long run. If she does need something, she might end up in burnout very quickly in the way that she is because she's not openly expressing how she is. And she's setting boundaries, but what she's setting boundaries of, where should she be open up some of those boundaries around relationships and connection to, and she might have that with other support people around her, you don't, well, we don't know, but that's such a fundamental part of my reason for being here. And, you know, Kappa is formed based around having meaningful conversations and taking the time. So, how do you, how do you drive that? I mean, obviously in your business you do, but in terms of everyday life, and I think your point around you controlling that's great and your whole premise here is around you know it's a tech obsessed world my view it's like people freaking out about chat gpt and ai and i'm like it's exciting i look at that stuff and go how cool is it that we've got all this technology at our fingertips it's up to us to work out how to use it best and to your point about the you know the phone being the dog lead which i love that like love that visual it's you know, really around how do you make AI and tech and everything work for you to give you more time to then have beautiful connections with people in real life. That's what I use it for. What do you do in that space, especially in a personal realm? In a personal realm, like I'm on the phone and I'll call people until someone answers. By the way, I have this thing on Fridays where I spend an hour calling as many people as I can that I haven't spoken to in three months. And that's my premium every Friday for one hour. You know what? I'm lucky to get one person to answer. Three out of maybe 20 phone calls will call me back. Four others will send a text saying I'm too busy right now and that is okay because they've acknowledged my call. But the others don't even return a phone call. And so whilst that's something that I do, I don't get shitty about it because it is what it is. People are busy, et cetera. So I don't take it personally. I do want to connect with people that I care about and I am checking in on them, et cetera. But what I find interesting is is that even if you can't take a phone call, even if just acknowledge the phone call at least, acknowledge that the person has tried. You know, I challenge people. I, I used to do this thing called um, conversational bingo in part of my keynotes, and I asked people questions like, "Have you uh, seen a phone call come? Saw it there, ignored it, and let it go through to voicemail, and never called a person back?" And so many people will put up their hand in the last week by that. And I don't mean a salesperson calling you. I mean a friend like you, Michelle, calling your friend. You know, we don't know what's on the other line half the time. And if we don't take that time to return a phone call or acknowledge that phone call, what connection are you building? You're not building a bridge. You're, you're building more distance apart from each other, and that's never a good thing. So that's one thing I do is that connection challenge on a Friday. The other thing that I do is I, I do little check-ins. Like I'll do like a little voicemail instead of a text message by saying, hey, mate, I've seen you. Uh, I 
like a friend who may be having, uh, she had twins. I called her and I said, I've just been recognising, I'm just saying that you're doing a good job. Now, that's also connection, right? It doesn't always have to be a conversation, but it's that time and presence and thought that you're thinking about someone else. So I do that regularly every single day as well. I'm very fortunate with the job that I do. Everything that I do is based around conversation. So I'm not lacking in my conversational muscle. And I now, because of the learning of having conversations with people that are different from me, I'm able to have more difficult conversations without feeling like I'm walking on eggshells. It is a muscle. Everything that we do in life is a muscle. Everything. So if we're not challenging ourselves in conversations, how are we learning and growing? So how do you tackle those? Because, you know, if anyone's listening and they're like, oh, I've got to have this tough, and it may not be, you know, the kind of stuff you and I talk about, like, you know, really interesting, deep and, uh, yeah, challenging topics, but it may be I've got to have a tough conversation with my partner about something or I've got to have a tough conversation with a staff member. Like, do you have any advice for people around how to navigate that space in terms of going into that kind of conversation? Firstly, the prep work is important. So, you know, you've got to be clear on what you're what you're trying to do and the reasons why, and you've got to go in there with an open mind and you've got to be there to listen to their perspectives. If you go in there with built walls, you're always going to clash. And my wife and I have had this a few times in the last few months where there is there has been things that we haven't agreed upon, but we've come at it with our walls built. And that never, never, never helps the situation. The other important thing is, is if it is a difficult conversation, lead with your own vulnerability first. So there's no one that can shoot you down when you're already leading with where you're at. If they do, then <laughs> they're the ones that need the need the help. But, you know, you lead with your own vulnerability first. Like, hey, especially if I'm going into a conversation, like my first ever conversation with um, a First Nations person, I said to them, I said, I'm coming here today to listen and learn from you. I don't know much about this space and I may say the wrong thing. I'd love you to call me out on stuff that, um, so I can learn. Where have you got to go? You're going in there with interest. You're showing that you're wanting to learn. You're going in there wanting to listen. And that is always the best place to start in my perspective is going with vulnerability, especially around topic areas that you're not sure of. And when you're trying to rally someone else to come onto your side, it, it has to be a two-way street. There's this amazing bloke, you probably should get him on. His name's Oscar Trimboli. Have you heard of him, Michelle? No. He's a deep listening expert. Um, he's incredible. Um, he, he says that we we think at, I can't remember the exact thing here, so that's why you need to get him in. But we think at like 450 words a minute, but we only speak at 150 words. So that means that most people, when they're trying to get something out, as in it's a difficult conversation, this is what I'm trying to say to you, don't block them with your answer. Ask them a question so they can get out the next 150 words. I think it's 900 words a minute. We think at 900, but we can only speak 150. Some people even you know, get verbal diarrhea and they <laughs> just go, okay, stop. But then we try to either finish their sentence off for them or we block them because we think we've got enough information already. Ask the question of, well, tell me more, why, and let them speak it out so you can get the clarity about what position they're in before you answer your position on it. Did you know, and this is another one with Oscar, so if you do get him on, I'm already stealing his show for you, by the way. But, you know, the other thing that he taught me is listen and silent have the same letters in it. So use that more. Use silence more in your conversations. Don't try and interrupt because a good, meaningful conversation is when it's when it's win-win, where both people are 
connecting and the other person is listening. That's a classic. I've just written that out and can see that now. <laughs> listeners, I'm like, really? That's funny. Yeah. So it's, it's literally, literally, you know, things like that make better connection. And it's giving people time once again. Like if it is going to be a difficult conversation that you need to have with a colleague, find the right location, find the right time and be fully present. Now, one thing, another little tip that I do is if I go into a conversation that I need to be fully present, I openly say to someone, hey, I'm just going to put my phone in my bag because I want to be present with you today. Now, that phone in the bag scenario is A, a trigger for me. Luke, you need to be present. But what that usually triggers the other person going, I need to put my phone away too because I want to be present with you. Those digital distractions, that tech distractions slowly start to disappear when you make those open comments of focus. And these are little simple tips, but they make a massive difference. I had a late, an incredible friend of mine who's very senior. She took three phone calls in my conversation with her over a coffee. And I just said to her, I said, I'm going to go. I'm obviously not important to you right now. And your time is better spent elsewhere because you don't have the focus on me. And that is okay. But I don't waste my time in the process. But, you know, like. How did you respond to that? She responded openly and then she put her phone away and then that was it, right? But now I set up the situation by saying, hey, I'm going to put my phone in my bag. And then if she doesn't, if she says, oh, Cookie, I'm waiting for an important phone call. Then you can manage that relationship there and go, okay, well, is this the best time for us to meet now or have you got other focuses? And that is okay if people say, I just can't give you the bandwidth right now. That is okay. I'd rather have a better conversation later on than us wasting our time in this conversation when you're not thinking about us. I could chat to you all day cooking, but um, thank you so much. There's so many great little you know, gems of wisdom there that uh, can take away and some stuff that I can apply immediately. I love your screen one, just that simple and, you know, the first photo on your phone of, of having it all blank and, you know, a different message for you to remind yourself, that's perfect. I'm going to do that immediately. And put a little, little yellow dot on the back of your phone as well or a red dot that shows before you pick it up, maybe that red dot triggers something else. So, like, a, instead of picking it up, maybe I'll spend the next minute breathing first and calming myself. You need these little visual triggers sometimes to help enable that component so yeah plenty of tips plenty of advice but yeah that's it well we can have all your info on the show notes as well and um you've got so much content that i think we all need to uh, absorb and get into more so it's been fabulous to chat to you thanks so much for being on the show thanks michelle bye well there you have it wasn't that an incredible conversation i hope you enjoyed it as much as i've enjoyed bringing it to you If you did like it, can I ask a small favour? Please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website, michellejcox.com.